This week, would I recommend selling a business with 100% seller financing? Let's dig into it. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Deal Making, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Hey everyone, uh, happy new year, and let me let me dig right into this one. Just the other day, I was asked a question uh, over Twitter. Um, and so let me let me read it to you. It says, would you recommend selling a business with 100% financing to a 20-year employee and right-hand man? So that's the question. And you know, if you are interested in in finding me on Twitter, if you happen to be on that platform, my Twitter handle is at uh, dbarnettmoncton is where you can find me. I'll put it there on the screen. But um, so obviously, I didn't answer yes or no. Right, because there's so much that needs to be dug into in order to get to the meat of this question and to figure out what my advice would be and how to execute it, depending on whether or not I would say yes or no, you know, given the circumstances. So, what I suggested via Twitter was that the person arrange a call uh, by going to this website called davidbarnett.com, where you can arrange a call via Clarity over the telephone or you can book a paid Zoom call for a consulting one-on-one -on -one call. And lots of people do that. And if if you want to get an idea of what those might be like, then I would recommend listening to some of the holiday chat calls that I've recorded. If uh, if you don't know what the holiday chat calls are, you just have to subscribe to my email list at davidcbarnettlist.com and uh, you get access to the newest ones and uh, quick links to past ones. Which, and you can find you know previous year's ones on the public YouTube channel. So... Um, so I recommended that they, this person book a call so that I could get into it with them, uh, but they didn't. So I decided what I would do is I would use this question and chat a little bit with you guys about how I would peel into this conversation, because obviously I can't say yes or no to this. There's all kinds of other details that need to be explored and uncovered. So I've, I've kind of prepared a list of the questions I would want to ask in the buildup to formulating um, a response to the question and to kind of give some advice or pointers on what kind of things that need to be ironed out in this agreement uh, if this person did decide that they wanted to sell the business to these long -time, this long-time employee uh, and finance it entirely. So very first question I would ask would be with respect to the seller. So I would want to know uh, what the seller's financial position is. Are they wealthy beyond the value of this business? Do they have, you know, their home paid? Do they have a retirement home, uh, you know, vacation home that's paid off? Do they have other retirement savings? Are they financially secure and well off beyond the scope of the value of the business that they own? That would be one of the first things I'd want to know. And secondly, what do they want their retirement to look like? Do they want to still be in the orbit of this business into retirement or not, because being a lender to a business that you've sold means that you still have business with that business. It just means it's formatted differently. You know, if someone borrows money from a bank to buy a business, 
the bank will have oversight and interest in what's going on in that business over the term of the loan. And if you sell a business and you act as the bank, you're going to have that similar kind of interest and involvement with the business going forward. So if your idea is that you want to sell and just get out of Dodge and not have anything to do with the business, you probably shouldn't be financing it entirely because people who lend money, banks, um, need some level of involvement and oversight and supervision into their investments, you know, the loans that they make. And, and that would fall on you as the seller. The second uh, question, set a series of questions I would ask would be with respect to the business itself. So I would want to know a little bit about the business. What's the revenue? What would this seller's discretionary earnings or EBITDA cash flow level be? What industry it is? I would, I would want that information so I can kind of get an idea of what the value of the business might be. Um, and then I would want to get into it, whether or not there are any issues regarding the saleability of the business. So is it a business that is highly sought after that would be easy to find a buyer for if you put it out on the market? Or are there special quirks to this business that might affect its ability to find a buyer? And so sometimes when people say, you know, should I finance the sale of my business? Um, what they're not revealing in that question is that maybe the people that work in the business may be the literally the only potential buyers uh, because of what goes on in the business and the way it's structured. Uh, you may need 20 years of experience inside the business to actually be able to execute and operate it uh, because of the nature of the business or how it's been set up. I would then get into questions about the deal. And the first question I would have is whose idea is this? Is it the seller who is trying to give a hand up to this long-term employee? Or is it the employee's idea? Who, says, who approaches the seller and says, I want to buy your business, but I need you to finance it. This is important um, because a lot of the times I will meet business owners who are entrepreneurs. They're interested in business. They are interested in all the benefits of business ownership. And they will project those ideas onto others. They will assume that since it's something that they value, that other people also value it. And um, so they will, you know, say to this employee, Hey, I like you, we've had a long relationship here in the business. I would like you to be the owner and the employee who's, you know, been conditioned through <clears throat> a life of, uh, employment to say yes to the boss may very well just say, Oh yes, that sounds great. I'll do that. When they lack a lot of the entrepreneurial drive and motivation, that's going to be critical in making sure that the business stays on the rails over the long term. Um, and I, I'm going to share a story about that. <clears throat> so whose idea is it? Number two, what's the format of the sale? What do you propose the format of the sale to be? So there's a difference between selling a business in an asset sale and financing the assets that are transferred, machinery, equipment, vehicles, maybe some inventory, and not transferring the operating capital, which could be a significant component of what's in the business today. There's a difference between doing that and financing the shares of the deal with a business that includes the operating capital within it, right? Because as I pointed out in one of my very first um, buy a business with no money question mark videos, um, if you finance the sale in a share deal and all the operating capital was left in the business, somebody could collect the receivables, not pay the payables, 
take the cash, liquidate the inventory and literally run away potentially with hundreds of thousands of dollars and not pay you, right? Like, like you could be in that kind of situation versus if you're just financing machinery, equipment, inventory, and the buyer is bringing their own operating capital, it's a very different kind of deal. It puts you in a very different sort of position. And so I would want to know what format of sale is foreseen. If it's, a, if it's the asset format that I just described, does the buyer actually have the capability of injecting the operating capital or borrowing the operating capital that will be required to make the business go? And that would be highlighted by the, the next question is what exactly is included in the sale? And, and it's interesting to me that oftentimes when I have these conversations, uh, people don't know the answers to this. They, they haven't gotten that far along in actually contemplating how the mechanics of this are going to work. So then we move on to the buyers. What sort of questions do we have about the buyers? Um, number one, I alluded to earlier, how entrepreneurial are they? Um, is this something they've always dreamed about? From the moment they came into your business, have they been talking about the day when they will buy your business, right? What down payment can they offer? And we're talking about 100% financing in this question. But if somebody was working for you for 20 years and their goal had always been to buy the business, have they accumulated anything in the way of wealth that they can use towards this deal? To me, that's an important question. Because if they've been living paycheck to paycheck and every time they got a raise, they went out and spent more money, they're not illustrating or demonstrating the characteristics that lead to long-term success in business ownership, which have to do with discipline, control, and a, a bent towards deferred gratification, let's call it, right? Because if you're going to be in business, you understand that you have to do certain things today. You have to invest time, effort, energy, resources, et cetera, today in order to reap bigger yields tomorrow, which means that you are foregoing, you know, the, the nice automobile today because you want to use the money to buy machinery in your business so that in the future you can afford an even better car, right? That's deferred gratification. And if you have a buyer who's never been able to execute that kind of discipline in their own life, it leads to a huge question of whether or not they're going to suddenly be able to change their entire personality, right? Um, what security liens, guarantees, or collateral can they offer? So I mentioned earlier that if you are going to do this financing, that you're going to basically going to be acting like a bank. So if somebody were going to buy a business in the United States, and I don't know where this buyer is. But if you're going to do it in the United States, a lot of the times people will use a small business administration loan, and that will automatically mean that if they have a home, that the, the bank's going to slap a lien on that residence, right? And so then the question is, does your buyer have anything like that that you can put a lien onto? Um, because again, if you're going to wear the banker's hat, you need to act like a banker. And you need to be looking at how you can collateralize this, this loan because if the business is a profitable one and has been around for a long time, you, you mentioned over 20 years. So business has been around for a long time. If it's been profitable over that period of time, it's very likely that the value of the business will contain some amount of goodwill. Um, so even with security registered against the assets in the business, machinery, equipment, inventory, et cetera, um, you will not be fully collateralized with the business's assets. So can you go after other assets? Can you put a lien on their house? Do they have any home equity? Um, what other sort of investments, vehicles do they have that you might be able to put a lien on? 
Now, this is this is a big question, and here's why. If you are talking about selling someone a business and financing it entirely, and it's like a million-dollar business, and they have next to nothing in the way of collateral to put down, that's very different from someone who might want to be financing a $500,000 business and the buyer has $300,000 of home equity you can put a lien on, right? Like it's a completely night and day sort of scenario because if they buy that half million dollar business and maybe they run it for a year or two while you're collecting payments and then something goes wrong, um, you could largely recover most of the note from the home equity if you're willing to go through with the foreclosure, right? But let, let's talk about that. The, the next thing is, are the buyer's spouse, do, do, is the buyer's spouse a supportive element or do they detract from the prospect of success in this endeavor? Now it's time for the story I promised. So when I was a business broker, I helped an employee take over a business from the owner. They had been working together for a long time and the seller basically wanted to help this person out and said, I will do what it takes. And so, um, that, and this example is spelled out in, in detail in Business Buyer Advantage uh, for any of you who have done Business Buyer Advantage, uh, which is over at businessbuyeradvantage.com. It's my online course that helps people uh, buy a business, everything you need to know. Um, enough of the commercial. Okay. So this deal ended up being structured as a no money deal. Okay. Now, before the no money bros get too excited, let me explain. So there was a bank loan against the fixtures and equipment of the business. There was a line of credit from a bank for the inventory. Um, and then there were two seller notes. Um, and the two seller notes had different sets of terms and conditions, uh, which allowed for the opening balance sheet of the buyer to satisfy some of the bank financing. But the buyer's equity component, yes, there was equity. You have to have equity. So the debt to equity ratio matches came from their home. So basically the buyer took a, a second lien, second mortgage on their home to free up cash to bring to the table to do this deal. So between their home and the seller notes and the bank financing, all the money for this deal came from these different financing sources. And so uh, what then happened? Well, it's funny because the seller of the business um, was so committed to their business that they actually uh, lived in an apartment that was associated to the business location. And the business seller said to the buyer, you know, you should just sell your house. So you have the money for the down payment and then you won't have that mortgage over your head and you could live in the apartment and you could run the business and you could keep things very, very meager as far as a budget. And you would be able to have the maximum opportunity for long-term success but the buyer's wife didn't want to sell the house, right? And so they got into the business and he ran it for a couple of years and then things got into trouble and the deal kind of fell apart. And so why am I bringing that up? Because it takes a certain amount of commitment. It takes a certain amount of effort. It takes a willingness to go above and beyond to make things happen, to make things work. And if the buyer's married to someone who isn't willing to be on the same page as far as commitment, that can introduce an element of chaos that can upset the whole deal years down the road, right? So it's important. 
one of the quickest ways to find out if the buyer's spouse is on the same page is to ask for a lien on the house they own together because the spouse will have to sign those papers and, uh, and may not want to. I've also run into that where buyers have been gung-ho, willing to put up home equity in a deal and the spouse wouldn't sign. So that's another question. Are the buyers, is the buyer's spouse supportive uh, in doing this endeavor or potentially a reason why it may not work? And then I asked the question in this section about the buyers, does a broke bloke really demonstrate the characteristics required to be successful in business? And I talked about that already. Deferred gratification, uh, discipline with respect to money, ability to live below your means, willingness to accumulate uh, wealth and assets. Uh, don't forget, when you run your own household, you can run the household profitably. The profit is simply called savings. So if you live below your means consistently, you can accumulate savings. And this gives you the opportunity to do things in the future. People who are unable to do that, most bankers would tell you that if they see somebody who cannot live below their means and accumulate savings personally, it gives them a great deal of pause whether that person can execute in a business environment. Um, questions about the post deal. So after this deal were to take place, what if they default? Are you prepared to realize on the collateral, take back the business, et cetera, right? So if there's a strong personal relationship there, you may not want to do this. Are you prepared to coach and steward these, the buyer consistently over the length of, over a course of time? Because if you have all of this money invested in this person's acquisition of the business, you're going to want them to have the biggest possible opportunity for success. And that means you are going to be involved to some degree, even more so than what a bank would. Um, and in this seller note, you're going to want all kinds of things like bankers will have covenants on certain financial ratios. They'll have covenants, you know, dictating what can and can't happen with respect to excess cash, all sorts of things. You're going to want to put those kinds of things into your agreement as well, as well as all kinds of information. You know, maybe you want monthly accounts receivables lists, aging reports, monthly payables reports. You're going to want maybe a copy of the monthly bank statements. You're going to want uh, monthly or quarterly income statements, P&Ls. You're going to want that to see the balance sheets. You're going to want all this information so that you can keep an eye on what's going on with this huge investment that you've made. Are you interested in that? That leads back to the question, what does your retirement look like? Are you prepared to examine examine the performance? I was just talking about that uh, and how invested you want to be. So that then gets us back to looking at the seller's why. What is their motivation? Um, financing the sale of a business with 100% financing is a huge favor that you're doing for someone. You're basically removing all of the potential obstacles and problems that come with the difficulty of arranging financing. And one of the biggest you know, issues that most buyers have when it comes to financing is bringing in a, sub a substantial enough down payment or equity injection of their own to make the lender feel comfortable making the loan. So, you know, in jurisdictions where you have government programs like the SBA in the United States, um, these things can get skewed a little bit because of the SBA policies. But in general, around the world, bankers like to see a three to one debt to equity ratio as a minimum sort of level of financial strength which would mean a 25% down payment. When, when you say that you're willing to finance 100% of the deal, you're removing all of those obstacles. You're really helping this person out to a tremendous degree. 
right? Um, and you know what they say about doing good favors for people. No, I'm not going to say that. Um, so what is the motivation then? Is your motivation simply to help the buyer? Is it that you have sort of a, uh, I don't know, like a father-son dynamic going on there that you want to see this person succeed? You want to help them out to this degree? Um, maybe the business has problems. So let's get to the selfish side of things. Maybe the business has problems that wouldn't, and it wouldn't be normally hard to sell. Okay. Or, or maybe it's not a problem. It's just that, um, there's some kind of requirement on the part of the buyer. So maybe you have a kind of business that requires some kind of licensing and the, the place where you live says that the people who own this kind of business have to hold this kind of license. So for example, in the, in the province of Quebec, only pharmacists are allowed to own pharmacies. So that this could be an example. Is there a licensing issue? Is there a credentialization, a qualification that means that, that the person who's the buyer has to hold this credential and you've got one right there in front of you. So, Maybe this is the easy path to finding a buyer. Um, do you want to control the timeline? If you are willing to do this kind of deal for someone, then that means you get to dictate the timeline because you don't have to worry about anybody else, right? The only other people that are going to be involved will be some lawyers with some paperwork. But a lot of the time when deals are held up, it's because of due diligence and financing. And if you're financing the deal 100%, the buyer's due diligence is going to be fairly streamlined. And this person's already an insider, so they understand what's going on inside the business already. And, and so then you're not going to have delays from a banker. So basically, you could dictate the timeline and just ask the lawyer to have the paperwork ready for whatever timeline you plan. And you could plan out you know, when this exit will occur, which is very different from putting a business up for sale on the market where there's all kinds of unknowns with respect to timeline. Will you get a higher overall price? So... If I was in this position, I would certainly be aiming for a higher price if I was willing to remove all the problems of financing from the buyer. Um, but in examining the why, we have to ask ourselves, are there any better alternatives? So there's uh, something called a staged buyout. I made a video about staged buyouts years ago. Uh, maybe we'll put a link to it up here floating somewhere. Um, and then there was also the conversation I had with John Mill from Toronto, who um, put out a book called Hire Your Buyer. And I invited him on to do a live stream. We'll put a link to that one as well. Um, and so the Hire the Buyer book, um, all of my books are, and all the books that I've read that I recommend to people, you can find in my Amazon store, which is amazon.com slash shop slash David Barnett. Um, and yes, I earn a tiny commission when you, when people buy books there, but it's the easiest way I've found to create sort of a reading list of all the books that I recommend. Um, so if you, if you head over there, you can find that book, Hire Your Buyer by John Mill, where he describes how a business owner can develop a buyer from within the company over the course of time, slowly selling that person more and more shares. And as that person comes in and starts to take on more and more responsibility, hopefully the buyer uh, brings that vigor and energy and, and the willingness to do new things and the willingness to to try new opportunities you know hey boss let's put up a website let's try the internet you know um, will cause the business to grow and while you're still an owner in the business that increases the value of the portion you have yet to sell and so john in his book demonstrates that by being willing to do this over the course of time you can actually sell your business for much more money because the pieces that you retain while it gets smaller become more and more valuable over time as the business has improved. So, so that might be a better strategy. So 
even though this person uh, didn't book a call, uh, I wanted to share with you guys like what sort of journey I would have taken them through um, in exploring and pulling out all of the information that I would want to know to then be able to formulate an answer to them and say yes or no, or yes, and this is the kind of thing that I might suggest to you. Or a lot of the times when a call like this would happen, um, there it wouldn't end in a result because the, the person that I'm talking to would then end up realizing they have to go out and get a whole bunch more information and make a whole bunch of judgments and spend some time thinking about some of these questions and how they really feel about their relationship with this other person. If, uh, if you are a business owner and you're thinking about selling your business one day uh, and you just want more information, I would recommend you go over to howtosellmyownbusiness.com. It's my website that is all about selling a business. And you can find links to my book, which has the same title, How to Sell My Own Business. Um, I've also got a, a playlist specifically of videos about selling businesses uh, from YouTube. And uh, there's an online course over there that's like an afternoon, three or four hours of content uh, where I go through and talk about exit planning, not from a tax perspective. It's not like an accountant's presentation. It's all from the point of view of deal making in, in helping you understand how people are going to look at your business and what is realistic. And for everyone out there that owns a business, the parts of this today's video you can take home are the parts with respect to understanding what it's going to be like holding a note over the period of time after business is sold, because almost every business that is sold involves some amount of seller financing. And usually it's required to get a deal to work. It's required to give a buyer confidence. It's required to give a banker confidence. It's usually not done at hundred percent. It's usually some other amount, you know, in, in the U S where the SBA financing programs are, are quite common. People are usually asked to finance smaller amounts. 10, 20, 30%. Uh, in the rest of the world, it's normal for much higher amounts. And in the US, when there's not SBA financing involved, the deals look exactly like they do in the rest of the world. So I've seen deals done with 50 or 60% seller financing, even in the States. There's a big difference though, between a buyer that puts down 40% or 30% of their own money down and a seller financing the balance versus someone who puts nothing in. And, and the reason why bankers always want to see some amount of down payment or equity investment on the part of buyers is because they want to know that if this person doesn't perform, they've got something to lose. So there's something motivating that person to fight, scratch, claw their way towards success, no matter what happens. In a 100% financing deal, that may not be there, especially if you haven't secured some kind of outside collateral based on things that they own, if things go badly and no one and someone hasn't invested anything, then they can just walk away and get another job. And unfortunately, I've seen examples of that where people have managed to get into a business using investor money and borrowed funds with nothing of their own invested and they run it for a while and things aren't going well, and they have to cut their own salary. Everything's very meager. Everything's very marginal. They're, they're fighting really hard. And then at one point, a little switch in their head flips and they go, why am I working so hard? Why am I, why am I struggling so hard to make this work against all these odds and things just aren't going my way? Meanwhile, 
you know, I'm an educated person. I should be out there earning like 150 grand a year or what have you. And I'm here getting by on a $40,000 a year salary because I committed to my investors that I was going to, you know, do this and make it work. And then they all of a sudden drop out. I've seen it. So this is why measuring up the person who's the buyer, measuring up their motivations, making sure that there's some, some level of commitment and involvement and investment on their part is so critical. Anyway, whew, what a video. You guys get me riled up sometimes. So if you haven't already, sign up for my email list I mentioned earlier. Um, if you haven't already, uh, please um, follow me on Twitter, subscribe to this channel, hit the like button. That helps me a lot. Uh, and with that, I'm going to exit here. Um, and if you're going to sell a business and end up with a bunch of money, you certainly should go over and talk to Mark Willis, um, who's one of my sponsors today. Uh, and you can find Mark over at newbankingsolution.com. And I will exit today with a little message about what a bank on yourself insurance policy might be able to do for you. Special thanks go to today's video sponsor, Mark Willis of Lake Growth Financial. Mark helps people better manage their personal wealth and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've gotten lots of positive feedback from people I've worked with over the years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find a playlist of all the interviews I've done with Mark and to learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up to arrange a conversation about what this solution might look like for you. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? Easy. Head over to my blog site at davidcbarnett.com. You'll find hundreds of articles and videos, all for free. You'll find links to my books and online courses, and you can sign up for my email list and get emails covering topics that interest you and be notified of new videos.